Oh, coming at you here from the Box to Box Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mason Carmichael, chilling here at the table with producer Chris, and we got a special guest for you guys tonight. I'm not going to give him any introduction. He needs no introduction. I'm just going to let him tell you guys who he is. I don't need an introduction. Oh, no, man. The return of the whistle is there back. There you go. I love it's it. It's back. I love Sorry, it. Sorry, PC. There you go. It's cool. I love it. I, if I can use the whistle at least once, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. What'd you guys think of the applause? Oh, the applause oh, was, that was really awesome. good. That was funny. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. Yeah. So if you haven't recognized the voice by now, it's our very own Darth. <sighs> he, he came down from a galaxy far, far away to be here on the podcast tonight. And Darth, please tell the the fine people at home what you brought for us. Oh, I brought my uh, backpack, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought it was dead, oh everybody. It's not. <laughs> it's back. Does, what was his name? Joey, because he's green. Joey, okay. Does he for have, timber Joey. Does yeah, he yeah. have a gun? <laughs> Couldn't say. Okay. <laughs> he's got a chainsaw. He's got it concealed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> CHL. There you go. Oh my gosh. Right, so anyway, yeah, we got we'll put a picture up of of Joey and Ruben hanging out the best pals. But that's enough of that nonsense. Well, think of Joey as the uh the the stud tall center back and then you got Ruben's maybe the outside winger. There you go. You say pinging long balls and diagonals that's across it. the field <laughs> getting it. him in behind. There you go. Man. Well, <laughs> what a time. We got we got five podcast analysts here for you today. Darth brought a new one for us, and still no Travis Carmichael, so shocker. If you guys have seen him, please let us know. We, we've scrunched up enough money around here to uh, put his face on a milk carton, so if you're at HEB shopping for groceries and you see a, a big old leprechaun-looking dude on a milk carton, that's that's Travis, and if you've seen him anywhere, please return him to us because we have no idea where he went, and we were of the opinion that uh, he, he would have been a contributing member to this podcast, but... I'll call K-Dog. Maybe he's in one of the kit bags that K-Dog's got. <laughs> I don't think he'd fit in a kit bag. Up in Madison. Oh, man. Yeah, shout out to K-Dog. Uh, we got to talk to him a little bit. I messaged Ian Joy on Twitter about K-Dog, and, and he was a fan of that because, of course, Ian Joy played at Salt Lake when K-Dog was the equipment manager. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more of K-Dog later on in the show when we go to our mailbag. A lot of good mailbag questions, guys. Thanks for everyone that responded. We did our first ever giveaway. Shout out to Heidi Carmichael. She is Mrs. Darth, the mother of Travis and I. And she went on to our Facebook page and did a little bit of a, uh, a sweepstake. So if you're one of the lucky four or five that commented on that Facebook post, you will be getting a Box to Box Radio t-shirt either in the mail or next time we see you. Maybe if you swing through Austin, you can come sit in and, and uh, watch our show or if you got an opinion. Come on and, and give us what you got. But that was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll dive into that mailbag here towards the end of the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't say it enough. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you. Dang. Good yeah. good, good, good on you, Chris. Big, big heart here. Big, bigger heart over there. That's right. Yeah. And, and of course, she, she's the one that helps us out with a lot of the promotion and a lot of the production of some of the cool stuff that we get to do here at Box of Box Radio. She's made our Box of Box t-shirts, which is awesome. So if y'all seen us rocking that, Darth has his on tonight. Those are Heidi Carmichael originals, so y'all give her mad love. If you see that Facebook post and see us uh, share what she did on Facebook, uh, comment, give her some love, and and let her know that she's doing a good job because podcast couldn't happen without her. So thanks very much to all of our listeners, and and thanks again to my mom. But guys, it's a Thursday night here in Austin. Podcast comes out tomorrow around 4 o'clock, but I don't care about then. I care about right now. Boys, how we feeling? Feeling great. I'm feeling fantastic. I feel even better now that Darth's here. 
Yeah, Darth I, I just lied Darth. on the mic too because he's he's getting over the flu. So if you yeah. hear some errant coughing in the background, it's Darth yeah. trying not to keel over over there. Yeah, yeah, I missed him. Yeah, we miss Darth a lot. We're, we're glad he's back. <laughs> hey, you're you are sitting in Travis's chair, and I just want to let you know right now, you are a significant upgrade. So, so thank you very much for being here. It's no longer his chair. That's right. It's Darth. Hey, we got to get that engraved on there. We got to get uh, put it on the back like a. Yeah. Like on the set of a movie. Do you have like a crane that lowers your helmet down? Or? I could, yeah. yeah. We'll hook it up to the dog. There oh, yeah, go. Moon Moon. Yeah, we'll get Moon Moon to bring <laughs> you your helmet. That'd be great. But, yeah, guys, uh, a lot of action that we got to go over today. But before we get into that, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our music provider, Sincerely Yours. Of course, October 1st, he's dropping his new single. So y'all be on the lookout for that. And I also want to give you guys an opportunity to, to look up more of our content and, and get more familiar with what we're doing. You can hit us up on boxtoboxradio.com. That is our website. Producer Chris put in countless man hours there to make sure that it was up and running and had a bunch of good stuff. So I just found out that I'm going to be doing a little bit of a, of a career change. So I'll have a little bit more time to, to go online and post some articles for you guys. So I'll get those getting cranked out. I'm not going to be getting home at nine o'clock at night anymore. I'll have a little bit of time to where I can in the afternoons, write some articles for you guys and get those posted. So those, that'll be good. And then of course we'll have some very special content that was recorded in the death star. Darth, you want to walk our, our audience and our listeners through kind of what that content's going to be like. Uh, of course this will release over the holidays. I don't know. I guess it was a couple of months ago. We had a, a crew come in to the death star and we, uh, Kicked around three or four topics, uh, things like, you know, who's the greatest U.S. national team player of all time. I think we did both the men and the women for that one. A couple other topics. So, I mean, those will be good, timeless things that will be uh, in the uh, archive that we can release when we're away. Oh, yeah. And, guys, this this will be available, remember, only for our subscribers. So, we're going to figure out a way here in the next couple months or so to get that content out to you guys. Chris is going to figure out a way to get your email addresses and uh, send that content to you directly because we want these very, very special episodes to be reserved for our primo listeners. So we want you guys to be in the know and get more people interested in box to box radio. Also, if you got a question, like I said, we got a huge mailbag to go through at the end of the show today. Please email us 90 minute box box radio.com. That's the best way to hit us up. Uh, we'll answer your questions. We'll debate your questions. If we call you an idiot, I'm sorry. You wrote in, it's your fault. So thank you for giving us more fuel for the fire. And even better, if there's a mailbag question that makes Travis Carmichael look like a moron, I, I might personally buy you a T-shirt. I mean, because <laughs> th- you, you'd make my week. But anyway, guys, let's get into the soccer. Enough of the red tape. I want to start with the tournament that is going to make Chris really, really sad because you can't spell Chelsea without L. They took two L's in a row. Of course, I'm talking about the Super Cup played in Istanbul, which Chris don't feel bad. Liverpool are magical from the penalty spot in Istanbul. Just go back to 2005 <laughs> when they won the Champions League. But it was a really, really good game. Uh, started out early in the action. We had a 36-minute goal from Olivier Giroud. Of course, Chris, who is the assist by on that one? Our newly crowned superstar, Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked really, really, really good in this one. If you guys can go find some highlights, he had USA. a phenomenal game. USA. Yeah. That's USA. right, USA, baby. And then the equalizer in the 48th, right after halftime from Sadio Mane, he would go on to score the go-ahead in the 95th. But, of course, in Chelsea fashion, they get a questionable penalty kick in the 101st. And the least mobile center midfielder you've ever seen in your entire life, Jorginho, puts it in the back of the net. 
So on to penalties we go. And pretty back and forth penalties. We end up going to the last round here. And new Liverpool goalkeeper, Adrian, saves the penalty kick. Liverpool champions of the Super Cup. And they, the best part about this whole thing, guys, was after the game, they went up to Jurgen Klopp and they're like, Jurgen, like, what do you think of your new goalkeeper? What do you think of the heroics? And he was like, Adrian, Adrian, like from Rocky, like. Nice. <laughs> so he was, he was ecstatic, like typical Klopp self. And I was like, man, I love this man so much. He's amazing. So producer Chris, does this trophy mean anything to you? It would have been nice. I mean. I wouldn't say it means like the world. I mean, I would have loved like a Champions League trophy or, you know, a Premier <laughs> League trophy. But I mean, this is not it would have been nice if we would have won two losses in a row. That's kind of a big deal, especially against two top clubs. Hey, only uh, six goals allowed in four days. Not bad. <laughs> God. Oh, my gosh. You know, it, so is it really a cup, though, or a, yeah. a, a tournament if there's only two teams invited? Yeah, that's what I don't think, because like it was a trophy. Too. It wasn't yeah. even like a it wasn't cup shaped, so I don't understand why they're calling it a cup either. But yeah, I don't I, I don't put a lot of stuff if, if this makes yeah. you feel better, I don't put a lot of value in yeah, this. Yeah, I mean I think the fact that we lost to two top teams, I think that's more detrimental to the team. Yeah. Than more than anything. Yeah, uh, and, and li- you took yeah. Liverpool to penalties. So yeah. the team that won the deal. Champions League last season played pretty much the same lineup they rolled out against Tottenham. Went to penalties. Exactly. So it, yeah. it, it wasn't a bad game, we, especially for what Chelsea's situation is. Oh, of course. I was actually, again, happy with the performances from each individual player. That was one of the biggest takeaways for me. I liked Conte back in the starting lineup. Yeah. He looked good. But yeah. Yeah. He was great. The seniors from the team, Conte, Pedro, and Giroud. Sometimes that's what it takes. Old guys. Yeah, I, I felt a little bad for, is it uh, Tammy Abrams? Uh, yeah, he was the one that missed the, one the penalty. That, yeah, the penalty saved. He's, he's, he's a great young He'll talent, though. It. I think he's going to be really good. He'll get over it. He's fine. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. My biggest takeaway, mm-hmm. like you said, Pulisic, that kid can play. I, I think he's he's almost too confident. Like, he, he just yeah. – he's, like, running around there like nothing can ever happen and to he, him. And he gives them another yeah, element, too, exactly. because he provides a threat in behind always. You saw he scored in the first half. He had one that was barely offside that he scored, and it was because he had Joe Gomez on his heels because he's just so fast. He is. He's such a quick player. Yeah. So, uh, boys, before we move on from this one, man of the match from you guys from this game. Well, it's not going to be a Liverpool player for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I expected as much. Uh Pedro. Pedro, really? Pedro. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Adrian. <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> hey, he, he was expecting to be sitting on the bench uh, I know. right about now. So uh, I, I good, would have hoped on he would have been on the bench by now, but I'm glad that he's he's getting in there and it looks like he's taking advantage of his opportunity. My man of the match, of course, Roberto Firmino. So he didn't have a goal in this one, but again, instrumental in both goals, worked his socks off and if it tells you anything, if you guys trust Jurgen Klopp's opinion, which you should if you don't already, he was quoted in an interview saying that Sadio Mane is world-class, but not every day. Mo Salah, world-class, not every day. Roberto Firmino is a world-class player every single day. So he is one of the guys that I look up to. I think that he's a phenomenal player, and his work rate is second to none. You guys got anything else to add on this, or are you all ready to move on? Oh, I'm way yeah. past Chris moving is already on. ready to move on. I'm way. Chris is ready to go. <laughs> so speaking of meaningless trophies, we're going to move on to the Campeones Cup here in the United States. So, of course, Campeones Cup was started last year. 
It's basically taken the combined points winner of the Apertura and the Clausura in the Liga MX season versus the MLS Cup winner of the previous year. So last year it was Toronto getting shellacked by Tigres. This year, Atlanta United hosted Club America. And for once, for once, an MLS team got a good result against a full-strength Liga MX team. This one ended 3-2 Atlanta United goals in the fifth minute by Emerson Heinemann, the equalizer in the 13th by Ibarra. Martinez in the 57th took the lead for Club America. Lorenowitz with an absolute screamer. Get your deflection calls out of here. I don't give a rip. That was a, a banger in the 59th. Josef with a penalty, his second of the game. The first one, he did a little hop, skip, jump, and missed it. Second in the 65th minute, he scored. And then, of course, Valdez with the red card in the 72nd. So, 3-2 win for Atlanta United. Before we get into what the rest of the world thinks about this game, I just want to hear from you guys. I know, Darth, you you watched this game. PC, you, you've been doing some research about it. No, but I watched it. PC watched it, too. Yeah, sweet. Hell, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I know. In It's not me trying to, to rip on PC listeners. I mean, PC's a busy man. He's got, what, four kids? Yeah, Five, one four? is in high school. So one's in high school. Yeah. Like he's got his hands full. So uh, he's he's got. <laughs> Darth just made a very inappropriate gesture off camera. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you guys use your imaginations. But uh, yeah, he's he's a busy man. So it's it's a rarity when he gets to sit down and actually watch a whole game. So th- I'm glad you guys got to watch this. So give me your thoughts. Oh man, it was exciting to watch. I mean, for the first time in a long time, an MLS team was able to get a good result against the full-strength Mexican team. And the Mexican team that they put out on the field was not, you know, some slouch, you know, Mexican team. It's a, it's America. Yeah. You know, they, they pay good money for players. You know, they're always at the top. Plus, their coach, their manager, he's amazing. I just It was just an entertaining game. It was back and forth. Josef Martinez, oh, dude, that can, dude can ball. Yeah, he's the real that, deal. That dude can ball. I wouldn't be surprised if, if within this next year or two, He's, he's gone to Europe somewhere. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I'm not saying that that's like his goal or, you know, what, what, what he wants to do, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody splashed cash on him. So does he have the reputation, the goal-scoring ability to go back to Europe? Yes. However, he's been there before. He, he was with Torino in the Serie mm-hmm. A and hated it. He didn't get very many opportunities. When he did get to play, they put him out on the wing. They played him out of position. So he's done the whole European thing before, and he said that he wants – this is what – I love him as a player. He wants to commit his future to Atlanta United, and he is uh, – they're going to build a statue outside of Mercedes-Benz Stadium for this guy. Yeah, and if he's happy and he's getting paid, uh, you know, maybe maybe it works for some guys to stay here. So, But, it, I, you know, he's also matured as a player, so maybe he could go back over there and it'd be a different experience. For yeah, him. for sure. Money always talks. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my biggest thing is if, if they give him money, I think he'll go. But I, it's great that he's here. I love yeah. it. I love it. And that he's he's actually putting in effort when he's here too. He's he's not just sitting here riding a paycheck like he he wants to be here. Yeah, yeah he gives the the Darth Death Glare to like his players if he doesn't get the right through <laughs> ball or if somebody uh doesn't make the right run, he he lets them know about the it. The Darth Death Glare patent pending. I love it. Love it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, it was it was a great game. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. They uh, a lot of back and forth as you guys said. I thought it was uh, interesting with the hop, skip, and the jump penalty kick that got saved, and then the next one he didn't do the hop, skip, and the jump. So, I don't know. Very entertaining. I think Emerson Hyman has been a great pickup yeah. for Atlanta. Dallas uh, kid. Former Dallas uh, kid. Yeah, d- definitely uh, has, has added a little bit of spark there. 
you know, and I think the red card of the second yellow to Valdez in the 72nd minute, mm -hmm. um, you know, it would have been nice to see the game finish uh, 11 v 11 because who knows, you know, kind of what the final score would have been then. But overall, very, very entertaining game, and I think uh, MLS represented. So now are you guys interested to see what the media said about this in Mexico? Oh, for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. Chris, you, you in on this? Oh, of course. Okay. So they reamed Club America in the, in the tabloids in Mexico. So basically, they come out front page of their big tabloid there in Mexico City, said first loser on the tabloid. <laughs> wow. Uh, and they basically, they're embarrassed that Club America lost to Atlanta United. And they said that, Club America was the first ever League MX team to lose to an MLS club in a final. But is that correct, gentlemen? I couldn't answer that. Uh, I'll be, I, won't, I won't lie. Ooh, wasn't there like a Toronto game somewhere in the past? Not in a final. Hmm. How long ago was this? I feel like you know this was answer. It, was oh, it in, I do know this was answer. It, <laughs> was it in the aughts? The aughts? Yeah. I don't know what you're trying the to say. The 2000s. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, okay. Earlier. Yeah, so boy, so it would have had to be like one of the original uh, MLS clubs. It, you're you're correct. Uh, DC was on fire back in the early days. Warmer. DC. DC and who United. did they beat? Oh boy! Even in the old school Champions Cup. Tigris. I'm. Mm -mm. Starts with a T. Tijuana. Tijuana. No, Tijuana. No, they're new. <laughs> Tijuana became a club in 2004. Yeah. So. Uh, Tell us. Toluca. They Toluca. beat Toluca uh. in the final of the Champions Cup 1998 when back when Echeverry was patrolling the midfield. Oh, yeah. Echeverry, Moreno, uh -huh. Raul Diaz, Arce, oh, back God. in the old days. Duh, they were so good. Yeah, they were the original MLS dynasty before the Galaxy caught hot. But... Jeff A. Goose and his mullet oh, playing Jeff. left back. <laughs> oh, man. Brings me back. So, yeah, they were incorrect. Do your research next time, League MX. <laughs> Remember that – I guess they just don't like remembering Well, they, they blacked lost. that one out probably. Yeah, you know? probably. A lot of tequila between then and now. So. I'm sure it was some 24-year-old guy that, that barely started writing articles. I'm sure that's what uh, it was. Probably. Yeah, so. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll give him a pass if that's the case. We'll give him a pass. Yeah. We, have, we, we haven't gotten everything right on this show. So. <laughs> Nico yeah, we, Cantor. Nico Cantor. <laughs> His son. He's <laughs> a great announcer. But anyway, guys – it's cool to see that Atlanta United has stepped up here and made MLS proud. Um, they've won pretty much everything now since they've entered the league. They have an MLS Cup, and now they're in an Open Cup final. And uh, Frank DeBoer has already said that it's the easiest way for clubs in America to get into the CCL is winning the Open Cup. And so he's putting all of his dogs in that fight. He wants... Atlanta United to lift this trophy and, and to get a CCL berth and for him to get a second shot because they flamed out of the CCL this past year. Yeah, it's like the expansion uh, Open Cup final too. So It is, yeah. The United Derby. So I have to ask you guys this. With MLS being as successful as it is right now, with a lot of these players coming and you know wanting to play here, what is making the league this successful right now? I'll, I'll go first. So I think it's a couple of things. So I think if you look at the, I guess, the old original four or five sports in, in the U.S., you've got, you know, baseball, football, basketball, maybe you throw hockey in there. But if you look at the fan base for those sports, so baseball fans, a lot of the millennials and the young, young fans aren't really into baseball. 
Right. Agreed. So that that market is kind of starting to dwindle and die. Basketball's got kind of its own niche little little market, and I think football's always going to be king. Hockey, it really kind of depends on where you're at as to how popular hockey is. But I think you've had this kind of, you know, groundswell that started probably with Seattle when they came in, where they oh, had, when soccer was invented in yeah, 2009. Well, yeah. it wasn't invented then. <laughs> that was but, a ticket Seattle fans. Yeah, but. I mean, look, it was impressive. They had 40,000 season ticket holders when they opened the doors, and it wasn't uncommon to have 50,000 people at a match. I mean, we've, we've been – or I've been to a game there, and it's phenomenal to watch. Portland comes in shortly afterwards, and they've got kind of that same atmosphere, mm-hmm. and they're playing in an old downtown baseball stadium. It's just a – it's a phenomenal atmosphere. And so you see a few clubs like that that are starting to grow, and even Cincinnati. I mean, who'd have thought it in Cincinnati they'd have the atmosphere they have? They they've got a full house on weeknight games, and so you start to see that. And then Atlanta comes in with, you know, seventy thousand, seventy two thousand fans. I think they broke seventy thousand. Seventy eight thousand. Yeah, is like the new record five or six times this year. Yeah. So th- there's more people going to a, an Atlanta United game than are going to some of the Atlanta Falcon games. So. One, it's that it's it's kind of that growth and acceptance within kind of that younger fan base that's now starting to have a voice. But I think you're also then you're getting a little bit of a media pop. So you know James Harden with the Houston Dynamo, and you've got Will Ferrell and Drew Carey in Seattle, and then yeah Russell Wilson, Sierra, and Macklemore just announced at Seattle as well this past week. Right. So I mean I I think some of that's giving it legitimacy for non soccer fans in the U S. And then I think the quality of play has definitely gone up. As you're, as you're getting a, a higher salary cap, you're getting better players, more expensive players. You can see some of the really good players from Europe that are coming in and having success. I mean, Rooney talked about how, you know, the league is way better than he thought it was going to be whenever he came in. So I, I think there's things like that, and I think we're still one or two kind of iterations. You know, we're kind of in MLS 3.0 right now. And I think you get to four and five, I think we could be one of the really dominant leagues in the world. Yeah, and, and just to, to add on to what he's saying, I think the de- the designated player is a huge thing too, right? So your Wayne Rooney's, your Slatans, your Carlos Velas, your, your Josef Martinez, right? I think in the past, you look at MLS teams and they were bringing in the wrong profile player for the designated players because they were going with what was available and what was affordable. So... You bring in guys like Steven Gerrard. He's a great player. He he would put the butts in the seats, but his on-field product was not on par with what they needed for the Galaxy. Other guys in the league, like Torsten Frings, was one of the first DP players in the league. And same thing, his on-field product did not match up. So it's finding the right balance for these bigger clubs with who is a guy that is going to fit our demographic of our fans and be a guy that's going to get people in our city excited at, and, and butts and seats to come watch us during home games. But more importantly, who's a guy that's going to give us that on-field product that we want? And I think the perfect example of this is Carlos Vela. He's a guy that came into LAFC and they've built their club around him. They've built, he's been the focal point in this Bob Bradley system. And he's elevated the play of all of the players around him. And this is something new in MLS that you haven't seen. Teams are no longer going out. I'd say most teams. I'd say you got about two-thirds of the league that are this way and the other third that are playing catch-up, right? So two-thirds of the league are now going out and they're scouting for that player that's going to fit their system and fit their team. Carlos Heel got signed by New England. Perfect fit. 
came in right away, helped them out. You got guys like Diego Valeri in Portland. They're, we're talking about guys you're going to build statues for. There's going to be a statue of Diego Valeri and Diego Chara with their arms around each other outside of Providence Park because they brought him in as a 28-year-old from La Nuz, and he clicked right away with the city, with the fan base, and with the style of play. And that, right now, is what you're seeing as elevating the league. And with Atlanta last night beating uh, Club America at home, it's because their designated players were clicking. P.T. Martinez is finally proving that he was the right signing for that club. He's coming into form. Josef Martinez, great get, great pickup. A guy that a lot of MLS fans had never heard of when he came over. The next season, he scores 31 freaking goals. And right now, he's on 22 this season. And he's on pace to break his record. And if it weren't for Carlos Vela, he might win Golden Boot this year. Hell, he still might win the Golden Boot this year. So it's about getting all of these players, getting them to want to be here and getting them amped up and ready to go game in, game out and having them be the right fit on the field. And then the other part of that is MLS is no longer a retirement league. For so long, it was a place where aging European stars could come, make one last paycheck, finish their career and go to Disney World in the offseason. Like that, that's what MLS was. And now... It's a destination for players like Miguel Almiron, like Alfonso Davies, like some of these other younger players that are coming through academies that view it as a stepping stone. And even if you go down to the academy level, I know I just talked about Alfonso Davies, like Paxson Pomacol, Richie Ledesma, who now plays for, for PSV, Sebastian Soto, who now plays for Wolfsburg in Germany. You have these young kids that come up through MLS academies that know, hey, if I sign for FC Dallas or the Red Bulls or Real Salt Lake, I have a better chance at going and using this as a platform to get me to Europe than if I were to sign and go to college. Yeah, Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney, right. great, great example. example. Yeah. And I think, there, I mean, there's still challenges because you have still a pretty great divide between the designated player salaries and some of the real stars in the league and then the guy that's playing, you know, right back that, uh, you know, is making 50 a year or whatever. So I, I think... One of the things the league needs to do over time is try and, you know, condense that gap so you don't yeah. have as, as big of a gap. Because I think, you know, if you look at like the EPL and some of the other big, big leagues, they don't have that disparity. I mean, yeah, you've got some of the top guys making a lot of money. But seven or eight years yeah. ago, I mean, you had guys that were like making 12 grand a year and had a second job trying to figure out how to put it all together that we're kind of fringe players on the roster. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think we have that much anymore. I think pretty much everybody that's playing is a professional in this yeah. job. And in multiple tiers too, right? So you have MLS and then you also have USL championship and USL one and all three levels are considered professional soccer in the United States because these guys don't have to have second jobs. They can go out there and play. And I think that's another big part of the development too, is you have this justified and, laid out tier of top soccer in the United States and a clear pathway to get from one through the other. And so I think the big question now is once we get an established league in MLS, once expansion stops and once that salary cap kind of evens out a little bit and we get better players and to be honest, better defenders into the league, because that's where you're seeing the money lacking right now is on the defensive side of the game. Can the sport survive in a promotion relegation system because I think in the next 15, 20 years, once expansion's done in Major League Soccer, there's not going to be a whole lot of motivation for an MLS owner to go out there and produce a winning product every year if he knows, hey, 
I can break even or make money and not make the playoffs and nothing will happen to me. Nothing will happen to my franchise. So we're not there now. We're nowhere close to promotion relegation because right now, if you added pro rel, some of the lower market teams in MLS would fold because no one would want to go out to a semi-professional game to watch their team play. But I think it's coming in the next 15, 20 years. Well, yeah, and the just the economics of the league and the history of the league. So the league wouldn't be here if you if it weren't for a couple of key owners. Yeah, and so to have those owners think that they could be in a position to be relegated out, which then could potentially you know end their club, that would be like a huge step. So I mean, I th- I think we'll get there one day. I think there's a there's a long lot, way to go. Lot, long way to go. You guys do know the uh, cost to get into that club, right? To an, an expansion team, yeah, a hundred million dollars, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, oh, they just upped it. Yeah, it's it's a hundred and fifty yeah. million dollars. So can you imagine? And this is why I don't agree with ProRail, but I wish we did have it. The fact that if you were to join the club and then be out the first season, hundred and fifty gone, while the other guy pays nothing and he's in. Yeah, and and you could grandfather that, like you know, yeah. you you can't get relegated in your first five years or something like that. But I I think it's more about the people that invested in the league. And kept the league alive to think that they could, you know, get kicked out. Yeah. Um, and FC Dallas, I mean, Dallas till I die, but I mean, they're, they're in that boat. That's just their model. They're, they're going to be the bargain shopper and <laughs> hope they catch fire with somebody that uh, is a homegrown player and then try and sell guys. So we'll have to just uh, wait and see where it goes. Yeah. Great question, producer Chris. That was yeah, good. Figured, figured I'd ask. I mean, I'm starting to love all the game, not just my Chelsea. Yeah. He's wiping so, that Euro snob off. That's, that's right. right. I really am. Yeah, yeah. and, and now we're, we're going to transition into a not-so-fun part of Major League Soccer. Well, it's fun for me because I like, I'm like i Team Chaos. Y'all know I'm Team Chaos. But th- this is something that happened this week. We had the fourth and fifth head coaching changes in MLS this season. And we're going to start with the not-so-controversial one, and we're going to end with the really controversial one. So... Wilmer Cabrera of the Houston Dynamo was dismissed earlier this week strictly for performance-based reasons. Uh, The Dynamo currently sit in ninth place in the Western Conference, which is outside of playoffs, and are trending downward. I mean, they just brought in Christian Ramirez to help with the goal problem, but this is a team that does not defend very well and are incapable of getting points away from home. So they felt like even with the Open Cup win last year from Cabrera and all he's done to strengthen this team, that it was time for a change. So does anybody know who the guy that took over for him is, the the assistant? No, I did not hear that. So Texas native, MLS veteran, Davey Arnault. Oh, now that, the head good coach. choice. Good choice. So he was the assistant, and they're going to stick with Arnault through the end of the season and then reevaluate towards the beginning of next year. So... Question for you guys, just one pretty simple. Given the fact that Wilmer Cabrera won them a trophy last year in the U.S. Open Cup, should he have been given more time? Yeah, so I think yes. I mean, I I think he's got pretty solid credentials. I think that the guys were still playing hard for him. The West is pretty tight, so I mean, I I don't think that they would necessarily be out of it. They still got a long shot to potentially make the playoffs. But you'd think you'd get, you know, a season or two after winning an Open Cup and getting a major trophy. But you never know. I mean, maybe there was some behind-the-scenes stuff going on and there was some politics. Um, Maybe he had lost the locker room and it just didn't look like it on the field. But I I thought it was kind of a short leash. I agree with you. I think Cabrera, 
having gotten the club some silverware, I mean, it's their first silverware since the 2006 MLS Cup. Like, it's the first time they've lifted a trophy since then. And it looked like he was on the rise with this Dynamo club. But an, an interesting point here as to why he might have been let go. So the Dynamo have a downtown stadium. They have a largely Latin American and Hispanic population. And they don't even sell out half their stadium. And so I think they're looking for a change in coach. Maybe they're going to bring in a manager that makes a little bit less money to where they can go out and bring in a marquee signing that will kind of bring in that part of their demographic that they've been unable to reach in Houston and hopefully fill that downtown stadium. Because you look at a lot of clubs in MLS and it's like, well, Dallas, for example, you have to drive almost an hour outside of downtown to get to a game. Houston, their stadium is literally downtown. Downtown, prime real estate. There's no excuse why they shouldn't be selling out a downtown stadium, and they're not. So I think that's a big thing to keep your eye on in Houston and whether it just coincided with the fact that Cabrera was not getting results and he was on a big contract, so they had to let him go. Maybe they give Davey Arnault a shot to, to take over the helm of the club since he's been there for a while and then use that extra money uh, to bring in a big-name DP. They're probably still paying Cabrera. I mean, it's not like he – I mean, it was a performance. They were just weren't yeah. getting it done on the field, so I, I got to think he's still getting paid. Yeah, that's fair. In my opinion, his performance wasn't all that great. I mean, he only made the playoffs once in the time he was there. I mean, yeah. his 2016 season, terrible. I think they were in last in, their, in the West Coast – on the West Side – I think uh, the second year. They 17, make, they made the playoffs. They, they made did. it to the uh, Western yeah. Conference final. The following year, they didn't make it again. And this year, they might not make it again. If you can't make it, it's time to go. That's just me. Fair enough. Yeah. So that was the easy one, gentlemen. <laughs> the other one's pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, the other too. one's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish Travis Aday was here because Travis Aday is a huge self proclaimed Mike Pecky fan. And, uh, of course, spoiler alert, this news is about former Real Salt Lake manager Mike Petke, who, if you guys hadn't heard, I think we talked about it a little bit on the show, was given a three-week ban, two weeks by uh, two-game ban by Leagues Cup, and then a three-week ban by Real Salt Lake with no pay, in which he was forced to attend anger management classes. So he completed all of that just to be told that he had no job at the end of the tunnel. Darth, I want you to kind of explain to our listeners in the most PC way possible oh boy. <laughs> here. We don't want to break the whistle out again on, uh, on the show. What did Mike Petke do to get fired, and did he deserve to be fired? Well, so he kind of lost his mind after that game, and uh, he made multiple homophobic comments to the referees mm-hmm. and the officiating crew, and... Couldn't kind of let it go on the field, so as they walked up the tunnel, he continued to do that. And then the I heard the other day, and I don't know if this is urban legend or not, but couldn't even let it go there. So while the refs are in their dressing room, he slides a note under the door with the same homophobic slur. Uh, that was confirmed by the league, by the way. It was confirmed. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, to me, you know, look, in the day and age we're in, you just you can't do that, and Maybe if he would have said it one time and slipped and apologized, then maybe it's different. But, look, all these coaches' contracts have, you know, behavioral-type clauses and things like that. And uh, so I think RSL is justified in letting him go. Yeah, and then, uh, interestingly enough, Sam Stage School reported today, of course, writer for The Athletic. He was on Extra Time Radio, and and he reported the other day that 
they offered Petke a six-figure buyout if he were to resign instead of being fired. And we all know Mike Petke. He ain't going out like that. So he refused and now is trying to fight the club for the remainder of his contract, which he was contracted through the 2020 season. So he had a year and some change left on his deal. I, I agree with you, Darth. I think that he he did not do enough to warrant Deloy Hansen to, to, to keep his job. I think he had all the right in the world to be terminated because you can't do that. You, yeah, and, you can't and lose your head like that. It was pretty telling. It was uh, about a week and a half ago Del Loy uh, got interviewed, and his comment was basically, look, we're, we're investigating. We're going to let the uh, the fact and data kind of talk to us. But if if you don't have values, what do you have? Yep, and the, the writing, I think, was on the wall there for Mike Pecky. And, of course, this isn't the first incident we've seen with Mike oh, Pecky. No. I think he he hand wrote the note because the printer was broken, it so must he couldn't have been. print Trey, it out. Trey couldn't yeah, get the Trey, printer going. Trey couldn't get the printer working. So A Day will have a chuckle when he hears that part of the episode. But yeah, interesting to see uh, all of the the firings going on, and of course Freddie Juarez promoted to first team manager. They've announced they're going to keep him through the end of the season. And the pattern with Real Salt Lake is that they promote from within and they hire from within. They've never had an outside hire in their history of the league. Their first manager was John Ellinger, and he wasn't the only outside hire because their club wasn't established yet. But every other manager after that, Kreis, Kassar, Petke, have all come from within the organization. There's a, a pretty good history of like real long-term you know, successful MLS players that many of whom are now coaching in the league, not not the RSL ones necessarily. But you know, you look at the Jim Curtins and the Chris Armises and you know some of the guys that have had success in the league that were former longtime players. You know, you got a Nat Borchers, you got Ramondo that's going to be coming uh, coming out at the end of this year. Kyle Beckerman's been Be- thrown around. Beckerman's been tossed around. So I, I think there's a lot of folks like that. I mean, Christ, people were throwing Christ's yeah. name. Could he go back? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, a lot to keep your eye on there. But, guys, that's all the time we have for our topics. We're going to get into our mailbag here. We got about five or so minutes left here of your time. And we had a big mailbag. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Heidi Carmichael on Facebook decided to help us out and do a sweepstakes and offer up some of our Box to Box Radio t-shirts. So if you hear your name on this episode, email us at 90min at boxtoboxradio.com for your t-shirt. Now, I repeat. If you hear your name on the show, you have to send us an email. If you don't send us an email, we're not giving you the shirt. With your shirt size. With your shirt size, yeah. Because how are we supposed to know your shirt size unless you email it to us? And I know that some of you commented on Facebook and whatever, but no, I'm looking for the diehards here. I'm not looking for the cream puff fan. I'm looking for the diehards. <laughs> be hard, be be a diehard enough to want the t-shirt and send us an email. Hey, and everybody on the list here that I know is a diehard. Yeah, so. it's true. Yeah, I mean, Darth, I think he's to coach at least one of these guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So we're going to start. Joseph Guy Calipari goes by Guy up in the Illinois area uh, has a question for us. Guys, he says, do you believe that the VAR, that VAR has staying power in EPL and MLS? Discuss. Oh, so first of all, love Gaetano. So he's the uh, Italian, Canadian, American uh, soccer coach. He coaches for a school up in uh, Illinois, he coaches both the, the boys and the girls. Played for the Canadian national team. Uh, he did. He's still got game. He's got about. 2% body fat, probably unlike some of us Lucky. our age. Yeah. So, um, look, I think VAR is here to stay. I think it will probably get morphed a bit and hopefully improved a little bit. I think, it, like most 
new technologies. It's got some kind of starting pains and growing pains. But I, I, I just think, you know, you have to embrace technology. You can't run away from it. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's here to stay. It, it might uh, kind of, you know, change flavors a little bit, and they might have newer technologies that come in and enhance it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do think it's here to stay. PC, your thoughts on VAR? I agree with you. But what's crazy is that the IFAB, which is the International Football Association Board, the one that uh, is doing the whole VAR thing, they're actually considering the whole, reconsidering, forgive me, the whole offside ruling. Like, uh, they may they may not review it at certain points, or they mm. may, yeah, they may or may not even uh, implement that rule for offside. So, I think it's here to stay, but because of the whole incident that happened in the, uh, I believe it was in the Champions League with Man City, they... Did they have? Oh, a, it was a Man City game uh, Man, where the yeah, uh, I think it was Raheem Sterling or somebody. He was he was off just barely. Yeah, like yeah. his shoulder was a quarter yeah. inch. Yeah, and so they're they're re, they're going to reevaluate rules like that. So yeah. I think it is here to stay. But I think, like Darth said, there's a lot of tweaks and a lot of things that they have to reevaluate before they let it go too far. So too many complaints, it's going to cause more problems. And then guess what? The referees are going to get scrutinized. They're going to it's going to be the storyline every single time. So nobody wants that, especially the guys that are uh, implementing this rule. Nobody wants to hear, oh, VAR, us, you know, uh, none of that. So Yeah, so I think the the biggest problem with it so far is it's been too much of a crutch. So it it's, it's supposed to be there to correct clear and obvious errors mm-hmm. and ones that would really have an impact on the outcome of a game. And I think, and we saw this in the Women's World Cup, it was overused. I mean, they were like, every little decision they were going back and re-refing the game. So I think we've got to try and, you know, get away from that. But I, th- I think overall it can it, it can be a really good thing if it's implemented correctly. And I remember Mason stated that it, it adds an extra eight minutes to the game. That's a big deal. Yeah, most times in, in stoppage time it'll add about an average of six to eight minutes yeah. after, afterwards. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of with both of you guys. I think VAR is here to stay, just not the VAR that we know right now. So... It'll definitely be updated and go. Uh, we also asked for your stories. So Harlan Hare from the Dallas area sent us a story here. So he's got, a, I have two favorite soccer memories. The first was the 09 USO versus Mexico game in Columbus. Never been to something as great as that game. In 2010 in Toronto, of course, that was uh, FC Dallas versus Colorado Rapids, the memory I share with you guys a couple weeks back. He said, the game sucked, but the experience around the game was wonderful and memories I hold dear. From going to the CN Tower to all the pubs, it was incredible and clearly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Thanks to the whole Carmichael clan for making Toronto so special. Oh, he's pandering. He yeah. is pandering a yeah. little bit. But, I mean, look, Harlan's a great guy. Yeah. He's been a uh, FC Dallas fan, Dallas Till I Die, for, for as long as I've known him, which has been a long time. And I think you talked about it a couple weeks ago. The trip to Toronto was amazing. I mean, we went for our team to see them in the final. Unfortunately, they lost the final, but yeah. the whole march to the match and – Everybody, you know, all the Dallas fans that met up in the bar in Toronto, and then we, you know, we walked, you know, in 12 degree weather or whatever down to the match and froze while we watched the ball come off George John's thigh and go in the goal. Poor guy. Yeah. 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 But thank you, Harlan, for writing in again. Email us and get your shirt, son. There you go. Next one here is from uh, a former player in the Darth Academy. He was a stormtrooper, Mr. Kyle Rampey. Living in Waxahachie now. Kyle says, as a Man United fan, Chelsea were unlucky in week one. They had two off the bar and multiple other chances in the first half. The second half was completely different as the Londoners showed their immense lack of depth. 
Pulisic's raw talent is undeniable, but his Premier League debut left us wanting. Do you guys agree? I think Chelsea was a little unlucky um, in that first half, and and I think I actually uh, texted Chris that you know the game could have been a, a lot different if one of those two that hit the post yep. or the woodwork would have gone in. Yeah. Um, but second half was just a tale of two different clubs, and and man, you really came out so. Yeah, the Stormtrooper. I like that reference. So, <laughs> Mr. Rampy. So, for those of you that don't know, I coached a uh, a bunch of Utes back in the in the day, and they were a ragtag bunch, but they were a good team. And Mr. Rampy was uh, one of the many all stars on the, that team, and he went on to play college ball. So, Kyle, thanks for reaching out to us. I'm glad that one of your fe- your former Stormtroopers reaching out. Love it. Love it. That's great. We're gonna have to get him a. A special stormtrooper T-shirt. That'd be that'd be something awesome. Yeah, uh, we got one more question here, guys, uh, and this one comes from my good friend Elijah Timms, who has become a pretty staple listener of the show here. So, uh, Elijah, again, you know you know what our email is, son, because you email us questions all the time. But shoot us an email with your T-shirt size, and we'll get on it. So he says, with all the clubs grabbing good players for significantly less money, does the fact that they're spending less money on players even the playing field? and allow smaller teams to acquire better players. So I think he's in reference here. He's talking about all of the free transfers that have been going on around the world uh, and all the guys that are, are leaving towards the end of contract. So it drives their value down because the club's looking to sell. And so my answer to this question is no, it does not even the playing field because just because the lower level teams are able to get guys on freeze means the bigger level teams are doing it too. But also the bigger level guys are bringing in guys on big transfers too. So it doesn't change anything. It doesn't level any kind of playing field because the money is still there for the man cities and the Manchester United's of the world. So Elijah, if you were a top athlete and Real Madrid came knocking United came knocking and uh, Newcastle came knocking Newcastle offered you five, Manchester United offered you 10, and Real Madrid offered you 15. Even if it's a free, you're still going to go to the one that pays you the most. Yeah, so that's true. It, it's just the way it is. So, yeah, it doesn't level anything at all. They're still going to spend like crazy regardless. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's why the top clubs are the top clubs because they're writing the big checks and getting the big players. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, Harry Maguire. I mean, you look at the Pulisic. I mean, those guys all went for huge transfer fees. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just what they can pay them to play – is a lot more than what the other teams either can or are willing to pay. Yeah, for sure. And and you're seeing that in MLS uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not everybody's got the uh, same payroll that Atlanta and LAFC and the LA Galaxy have. Yeah, it's true. And the, the league rules allow for a little bit of parity in that too because you're allowed to have three players above a certain threshold of money, but it doesn't say that you have to cap how much you pay those players. So – Pretty interesting stuff to keep your eye on there around the world. He also brought to my attention today, he, he shot me a text message that I wanted to share with you guys too. So, U-20 World Cup striking standout, Sebastian Soto has reportedly today claimed that he is interested in switching his nationality to play for the Chilean national team. Which comes as a huge blow with Julian Araujo probably up in the air, Richie Ledesma up in the air as well too big youth guys that are dual nationals with the Mexican national team. And then Serginho Dest as well has a, a Dutch passport through his, his parents. And so a lot to keep your eyes on there for a U.S. team. And, and I think that we as a organization as a, and as a federation need to do a better job of making these young players feel like they're valued and that they're wanted. 
That's an interesting point because I was listening to the uh, Third Degree podcast. Um, oh, shout out to Buzz shout Carrick. Shout out to Buzz and the boys. <laughs> but um, they, they actually touched on that. So they, they talked to like Paxton, uh, Paxton Pomacall, yeah. who's uh, lighting it up, and asked if he'd had a call from Greg Burhalter or the, uh, the senior Nat team, and he said, no, not yet. So you would think that the guys that are on the radar and blinking brightly, particularly these guys that are dual national and have an opportunity to play somewhere else, why would we not be courting them? And even if you're not going to call them in yet, let them know that you're watching them and they're, they're close and yeah. here's what they need to work on and have the dialogue open. Even like Jesse Gonzalez, they said, uh, you know, he really hadn't had much contact until he got the one call up. Yeah, and that was kind of an emergency call. When we talked about Jonathan Gonzalez on here, the, the U19 player that had represented the U.S. and Mexico in his youth career, and it was one of those things where Mexico offered him a cap, and then U.S. were like, oh, crap, why didn't we do that yet? And then they, they finally jumped on and offered him a cap after Mexico, and he went with the guy that, that chose him first, so... Yeah, interesting to say the least about what our federation's doing and lack thereof to get young players to sign for us. But, guys, that's all the time we have here tonight. Uh, Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, For those of you guys that wrote in for our mailbag, you will have some some prizes, and we'll do this on occasion, guys. We'll do some giveaways, or maybe we got some tickets to games and stuff like that they'll be able to give away to you guys. or some more t-shirts or some really, really cool stuff. So please make sure to tune in and write us. Uh, If we have a really, really, really good mailbag question, we'll we'll gift you guys something for that. But please again, check us out on box to box radio.com. That's the best place to see all of our content. If you forget our email, it's on there as well. If you want to follow us on all of our social media pages and see what we're doing out in the community, out in the soccer world, please do that as well. Shouts again is sincerely yours. Keep doing what you're doing with that great music. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy your Friday. Have a fun, safe weekend, and we'll see you guys again here on Monday.